This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. As we start another week, this is episode number 108, Tuesday. September 5th. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. You're back to the grind now. The kids are back to school. You're back to work. You're probably not working at home anymore. Get used to it. It's a new dawn. We're brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers. Check out the Bet Rivers app. I started last week with the college football. Went one and two because I was just blown away by a certain game, which we will talk about in a little bit. And I think everybody got that one wrong. Uh, So a little later, we'll touch on some college football issues. We'll get into the FIBA World Cup basketball tournament, which uh, the U.S. defeated Italy today. I don't know how I feel about that, man. I, I don't know how I feel. And my, my homeland went down hard today. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. So let's start with what we call the current. And the current is obviously a Philadelphia Phillies, right? Suddenly uh, bashing the baseball. And, and uh, so let's first of all go over some of the numbers. Um at least one home run in 17 consecutive games. They are averaging seven runs per game in, in the last month, and uh, they, they have hit 66 home runs since August 1st, 59 in August, by the way, which was tied for third most of all time by a particular team in any particular month in baseball history. So uh, that, that's all good. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are worried about the pitching. I'm going to give you some stats that make you not worry about the pitching. Well, let's just talk about it right now. The the relief pitching and the two starter. The number two starter, uh, I, every time he has a bad outing, uh, people doubt uh, Aaron Nola. Now, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But the question I need to ask you, as, as the Phillies are locks for the playoffs, okay? They're going to be the first wild card team. They're going to play the second wild card team which most likely will be the Chicago Cubs, the red-hot Chicago Cubs. The games will be at home at Citizens Bank Park. The, the outlying question, before we get to the numbers that may prove to you that the Phillies pitching isn't that bad, do we trust Aaron Nola in a game two? I got no problem with Wheeler pitching game one, beating the Cubs in game one. Do we trust Aaron Nola in game two? And if we don't, and if by chance they lose that game with Aaron Nola in a game two, do they have a third starter who could be the stopper to win game three to move on to the next round? I'm going to bring producer Darren in for the time being. Darren, the general question, do we trust Aaron Nola in a game two? I, I do not. I really, I, I'm sorry. I, he's like 30% positive, 30, 40% positive on his games. I don't know how you can trust that in a game two. Noah has bothered me all season. You and I have had a hundred conversations about him. I've spoken about it on here. I just don't trust him. The thing with Aaron Nola, he has an extra hitch in his wrist when he throws the ball. 
And if that extra hitch isn't tight, the ball is up in the zone, the ball sails, and we all know what he's like when there's a runner at first base. He struggles with base runners. I just can't trust him in, in a game two. The problem is, I don't know who else I can put in that game two right now. Right, well, forget about that. You know, I, I trust. It's not a matter of you putting in somebody else in game two. If you don't trust him in game two and they lose, do you trust whoever pitches game three, most likely Ranger Suarez, to win it for you, to move to the next round? If Ranger's healthy, I would go Ranger in game two. Yes. You're not going to go Ranger in game two, so that's silly. Why would you even bring that up? You're not going to go a Ranger. You're not going to go a Ranger Suarez in game two. They're not going to demote Nola. So let's look. I know they're let's not. Let's look at the I facts just... of what we have. The facts. Nola's going to pitch game two. My question is. I know he is. The question is, if he loses game two, do you trust Ranger Suarez to win game three? I don't have it. Yes, I trust him to win game three more than I trust Nola to win game two. Then you don't have any friends. You have no fret. If you trust Ranger Suarez in game three, what's the difference? Only if you don't trust Ranger Suarez in game three, do you have a problem? I, I, you, I guess so, but I, I wouldn't, I would not start Nola in game two, well, period. So why do you go down stupid roads? You know, they're, know you they're know going they're to. not going to not start Nola in game two with all with all the experience he has with the with the games that he has pitched well in the playoffs. You're not going to demote him for Ranger Suarez. Come on, that's the, that's deal really with what we have. Such great history. This is the little arguments I gave to my producer. He comes up with ridiculous premises. They're not going to not pitch Nola in game two. I understand that. You asked me you what I apparently do. don't understand it. Let's deal. We deal with reality on this show. It's reality. You asked me what I would do. I tell you <laughs> no, I, would I didn't do. ask you, you that. I, I didn't ask you who would pitch game two. I asked you, do you trust Ranger Suarez in game no, three? Yeah, absolutely. In game three, I trust Ranger Suarez. I do not trust. What's the point? Of pitching a guy that you don't trust in that slot. You're going to trust Nola. It's not like he pitches every game poorly. He has a track record of delivering good games in the playoffs. Two out of every three games he pitches poorly, Mike. Dude, you're like you're like some of my old callers. They come up, oh, they would come up with these presents, these things. Well, I don't. I would pitch. You know, they're not going to do that. This is the major leagues. Rob Thompson is going to pull Aaron Nola from the second slot in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. I I, I didn't say he would. (laughs) I said I would. But I didn't ask you that. (laughs) All right. Let's go. Let's move on here. The pitching stats for the starters are optimistic. All right. Let's look at some numbers here. The Philly starters have thrown uh, 756.1 and a third innings this year, which is first in the National League, and fourth in Major League Baseball, okay? So they've lasted a long time. They've been fairly consistent where we're under the impression that they have to use their bullpen a lot. Well, these stats would say no. Now, they they have 14.9 F war. Uh, You know why F war? F stands for Fanabla with these analytics, Phenomenal war. Where's the F come from? It's wins above replacement. They're first in Major League Baseball with their starting pitching. I bet you people didn't realize that. All right, now here's what F war is. Takes into consideration uh, batting runs, base running runs, fielding runs, positional adjustment, league adjustment, and replacement runs, and it's divided by the runs per win. Now, first of all, here's my question about that. I get it. It's all analytical these days. That seems like a lot of gobbledygook to me. Who compiles all this? Who compiles these 
how, take the bat, batting run, base running runs, field by runs, positional. Do. What do you got? This nerd squad that compiles these kind of numbers. I, it, they must have like interns at MLB.com doing that stuff. That's all I can think of. It's like, it's unbelievable. Okay. So now we're into this concept of lazy. Okay. It's analytics. The analytics say they're okay. Now let's go with the relief pitching. 452.0 innings pitched. That's 30th in Major League Baseball, which means they haven't used their, they haven't overused their relievers. We may look at guys, the older guys now, and say, you know what? Guy like Kimbrell starting to leak oil, although he had a good night last night. Uh, but that's a good number. If you're last in the league in innings pitched, that, that means we're not throwing you out there a lot. Uh, also, 5.6 Fanabola War. Right? The F War is second in the National League and fourth. In Major League Baseball. So their starters and relief pitchers for the Phillies now have combined for 20.5 F war. That's first in Major League Baseball. So this concept that their pitching is going to hold them down, the numbers don't play that out. And they're on fire offensively right now. So I listen, I don't know if they have to worry or not in a three-game series with the Cubs. All I'm saying is if they lose game two. What's the likelihood that they lose game three at home with Ranger Suarez? I would say the Phillies would be a, a solid favorite in that kind of a game. So I, I'm really not worried about them losing to the Cubs. Am I worried about losing the, to the Braves? Well, you're goddamn right I am, okay? Because they're not as good as the Braves. And the Braves are like a juggernaut right now. I can't believe the Braves all of a sudden are going to collapse. Although I do think it's possible they could beat them in a seven-game series. Over a long haul, the Braves are going to prove out to be a better team which they had this year. But in the seven-game series, I mean, who knows? If you get these bashers and you get the Phillies getting a lead and, and they're hitting home runs and uh, off of their ace pitchers and they, they carry a lead through, who knows? And and they're a great comeback team. So when you get to the Braves bullpen, maybe they win games that way. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So that's the baseball. Oh, Mike, let me ask you this because you're a hardcore baseball guy. You're, you're much more you're, – you're more of a baseball guy than me. You look at all those numbers, right, statistic numbers in baseball. And baseball is much more of a numbers game than, say, football mm-hmm. or most other sports, right? So all those numbers are starting pitching fairly positive. Yet every night I watch them lose, give up three runs in the first two, two to three innings. And you look at this starting rotation right now. Do those numbers – equal the confidence you have with your eyes every night. Like, if they're not bashing, and they are bashing the ball right now. If they're not bashing, right, are we feeling half as good about well, this baseball team right by now? By the pitcher, pitching numbers, you should be. Here's the way I look at it. I, I can tell a better team from a lesser team, all right? <laughs> and the, the Braves are freaking great. Okay, now I don't know. Could they be great in a seven-game series? I thought they were good last year. They're better than Phillies last year. They melted. Now, will they melt this year? I, I don't think that's likely, uh, and I don't think the Phillies will beat the Braves. But that's the team they're going to have to face after they beat the Cubs. I would predict the Braves will win that series. Right now, I would. But again, like Philly fans are all freaked out. Uh, they get freaked out by the littlest thing. Here, here's the, the the bottom line: the Phillies are a good baseball team. They're not as good as the Braves, all right? I, I, you don't have to be a baseball expert to look at these two teams and say, you know, the Phillies aren't as good. But in baseball, it doesn't matter when it's a seven-game series and you can steal a series. So as, all, all I'm saying is um, they have a shot. They have a shot to get back, uh, all right? Well, well, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, that's our baseball current for today. Let's uh, let's move into college football. Big uh, 
they had to start college it's week zero, which really, I don't count. Then they go to week one, which was this weekend. And of course, the big story is that Colorado beats TCU. Now, if you listen to the last podcast, I thought TCU was a solid play. I thought Colorado was going to get bashed. I, and I just do that from experience in covering sports. Well, I have covered sports for a lot of years. A team that has 80 plus new players uh, cobbled together in the spring, barely in the spring, and then you move into a football season. I'm thinking you would have to do a miracle coaching job to get those guys on the same page. So I think my instincts were right. What happened was the, the unbelievable that Colorado went head to head with them and they didn't make a mistake on offense. Now they did give up 42 points, which you have to like, I, I know these people are all now Colorado up. I get it. You still gave up 42 points to TCU, but the fact that their quarterback, Deion Sanders' son, Coach Prime's kid, had an 80% completion ratio, made every throw. They have this dynamic two-way player. They've got great athletes. It was an unbelievable victory for, for Deion Sanders and, and Coach Prime. Now, here was uh, – and he shoved it up everybody's keister after the game. If you looked at the press conference, I mean, he just loved being in that, in that Deion seat where he could shove it up people's nose. He goes at the reporter early, and the reporter asks him a question. He goes, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I got Are you a believer now? And he turned it back on the guy. Now, as a reporter, I started to think, okay, how would I handle that? That was Ed Werder, by the way. Oh, it was, it was Ed Werder. Werder. Okay, I read your stuff. Yeah. Okay, you got to tell me if you're a believer now. Well, it's not a reporter's job to tell the coach if he's a believer or not. Uh, because the bottom line is, my answer would have been, that's not my job to say, well, I'm, I'm a believer. I, I cover the sport uh, in, in its in its currency. And in its currency, it was impossible for me to believe that your team would respond like that. So I'm not going to say I'm wrong because we're doing analysis that's based on logic. All right. So it's not like I'm trying to pick on you by picking against you or saying that you guys aren't ready. So uh, and I also would have added if I was in the mood because I'm a, I'm a wise ass like that. I would say, Coach Prime, not my job to tell you whether I'm a believer or not. It was a great victory by you guys. But uh, I also have to add this, and I hold my finger up like this. That, that's one game. That's one game, Coach Prime. All right? Now, on that note, every, the whole world is now colorado up. They're all buffed up. So now they go, they go home against a crap team like Nebraska, where Matt Rule is trying to do the impossible, bring them back to prominence in, in, the, in the Big Ten. Um, and they're, they started out only as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. It since bumped up to three-and-a-half. That's a trap line. I, I don't know if Colorado wins that game at home. Darren, how do you feel? I mean, if you go on the history, it's a classic letdown, right? Huge emotional game on the road against a better opponent, come back against a lesser opponent. You're feeling yourself. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's a that's a Nebraska line. It's a trap game for Colorado. Early week two trap game. We'll figure. We'll go figure. By the way, one name not getting any credit. Offensive coordinator Sean Lewis for Colorado, highly touted offensive mind. And uh, he's not getting enough credit, I think, for last. Yeah, and he actually Temple had some interest in him. They didn't hire him. But, right, but, Temple but, you know, Did you see on the sidelines who was also one of their offensive coaches? Uh, who? I Pat Shermer. Oh, Pat Shermer. Yes, I knew that. Pat yes. Shermer is one of their offensive coaches. 
Uh, all right. So anyway, I'm just put food for thought on that next game. Nebraska stinks. The, the odds makers know they stink. But here's what they also know. After a victory like that, you think those Colorado kids are, as John Cheney would say, smelling themselves. Oh, my God. They're all they're BMOCs this week. They're walking around like they're kings of the world. And that, that usually gets you in college football because you're kids and you can't overcome the grandeur of what you just did. And you accept all the grandeur. And the next game you figure you're going to go out there and, and just put your uniform on the field because now you're big bad Colorado and you're going to win. Yeah, if they win big this week again, this is as almost as good a coaching job as last week for Dion and yeah. his guys. Uh, and Coach Prime, Coach Prime, be wary of game two. That's all I'm saying to you. All right, more on college football. Here's a couple. Come on, man's Texas State beats Baylor. What? Are you kidding me? How could you be a, a, a proud Baylor football program and lose to Texas State? Who, by the way, comes in as an underdog against some crap team they're playing this week. And also, last night, Duke beats Clemson. Come on, Dabo. Come on, man. Stop it. You can't get beat by Duke. All right. They had That was an awful second half for Clemson. Clemson didn't score. Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, they didn't score, and they didn't punt. The whole second yeah. half. Yeah. They either turn the ball over on downs, turn the ball over there through fumbles. Give credit to the Duke defense, though. Those kids balled yeah. out last that's, night. It was that's great. a definite come on, man. All right, let's move on to Penn State football. Um, I thought they would cover against West Virginia. They needed a late touchdown to cover by this backup quarterback uh, in, in the last minute in a game that's already won. And, of course, there's some controversy. For A, people love to pick on Penn State. Whatever Penn State does – there are Penn State haters all over the place. I feel it all the time. So, okay, I understand now. Oh, Penn State did. And the West Virginia coach, of course, tweaked the whole thing by complaining about it. So here's what I will say to that. There was no need for Penn State to score that touchdown. Unless you're thinking that this is a year that you can actually get into the Final Four. And the points differential, perception-wise, matters. So in other words... 31 to 15 doesn't look that great over West Virginia, but 38 to 15 looks convincing over West Virginia. So I'm sure that played into it. And also, um, I don't know. It's, you know, it, did you have a bet on the game, Penn State people? <laughs> I mean, if you, if you bet the Nittany Lions, uh, you? I saw a video <laughs> you? Of, of a bunch of guys are sitting around, they filmed themselves, and they obviously took West Virginia. And it was their reaction after Penn State scored that touchdown. And the video went viral. It's on Twitter. It's outstanding. But here's what I say. Listen, I know I know people Penn, hate Penn State, but especially West Virginia. Because here's the bottom line, you Mountaineers. You will never, ever, ever be in a position where a final score would matter on whether you're going to get in the Final Four. All right? So take your JV ass and play whoever you need to play and leave Penn State alone. Okay, all right, let's move on to the uh, USA basketball and uh, the FIBA World Cup. Uh, I love the international play. People were freaking out that the Americans lost to Lithuania. A lot of people didn't realize that loss really didn't hurt them because they could still advance, and they did advance, and today they beat Italy. They smashed Italy by about 35. Um, and I'm looking at Italy. Two thoughts came to my mind. Number one, no Bellinelli or Gallinari? 
We, how could you can't you can't put a team of Mama Luke's and Gavones together and try to beat Team USA? And Gallinari's sitting there what, drinking a cocktail at, at some bistro in Milan while his 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 team's getting their ass kicked by the Americans. Come on! And here's the second thought. <laughs> second thought is Paolo uh, Bancaro. Was it a violation for him not to play for Italy and play for Team USA, Darren? <laughs> yeah, you got to play for Italy. Come on. He was eligible and turned down yeah, that's, Italy. That's that's a violation on Italy. Violation? Yeah. You play for your home country? Your, your mother's from the shores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a violation. You got to play for Italia there. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, all right. Here's what I'm saying, because the American team, listen, they're not piled up with all the stars in the NBA, but they put together a workmanlike team. They're not big, but they they, they put together role players that really blend together. I kind of admire the way they play. I mean, you know, you got guys like Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, and, and, uh, and Mikkel Bridges, and I'm watching Mikkel Bridges today. He was phenomenal today. And, and I go, I, I just it's the, one of the most painful moments to, for me to see Mikkel Bridges become a star player. It was a god-awful mistake that he's not a sixer. And I'm reminded every time he plays. All right. Anyway, one thing on the Lithuanian game. You're going to lose the game. You shouldn't give up 110 points to Lithuania, Steve Carr. They're making they're raining threes on your ass the whole game. Defensively, you got to make some kind of adjustment. You can't give up 110 to the Lithos. Can't do it. All right. They still get a chance to win the whole thing. All right. Let's move on. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, God, my God, it's finally going to come. Sunday, 425, they start the season against the Patriots. They're favored by four. Uh, I like them to win the game. Uh, I like this team to win at least 12 games. Uh, so let's, uh, with nothing current to talk about with the Eagles until we wait for a damn game to be played, uh, let's, uh, let's go into the league and give our power rankings of the top five and the bottom five in the NFL right now. So let's start out the top five. I think it's pretty obvious. The top five best team in the AFC might be a tad better. And they got the pedigree because they won last year. So you got to give the nod to the Chiefs at number one. And the best team in the NFC is the Eagles. So I go Chiefs, Eagles, one, two. I got the Bengals sneaking in there as a viable situation for the Chiefs. Then I got the Bills and then I got the Ravens. So in the AFC, I think it's a little stronger in the NFC. And that's why I think the Eagles will have no problems in the NFC becoming the number one seed. Do you agree with those five there? You know, your top four are my exact top four, Mike. But I will say this. Like, if you're going into the season, right, you have to you take the Chiefs and the Eagles. And I struggled with who I was going to put one or two. And I did go Chiefs one. If you look at the two teams who are very close, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I get it. But if you look at the way these two teams, Chiefs got worse with, you know, with Carter sitting out or Clark sitting out. Um, and, you know, I just think they had a uh, they went a little bit backwards in their offseason. I thought the Eagles got a lot better uh, in the offseason with their draft it was just a, they had a fantastic draft. Um, so but I ended up going uh, Chiefs one, Eagles two, Bengals three, Bills four. Like you, I put the Niners at five. The Ravens are an interesting pick for you. They, I think they're stacked everywhere, except I'm not. I'm not a Lamar Jackson guy. I'm just not. I need to see the quarterback make a little bit more plays with his arm than with his legs, and he's he's backwards in that ratio for me. But I have the Niners at five. Uh, you know what? You're probably right about the Niners. I probably disrespected the Niners a little bit 
in retrospect, now I probably replaced the Ravens with the Niners. So I'll throw them a bone, even though I don't want to throw them a bone. A bunch of whining maggots that they, you know, think yeah, they're, they're a they're, shit locker room. They're, they're just a bunch of yeah. whiny guys that drives me. Nuts. All right, let's go with the bottom five. This is really easy. We'll start from the bottom up. The worst team in football, the Arizona Cardinals. They named a guy uh, captain who they don't even want to play this year. Kyler Murray, the quarterback, they captain. They don't want him to play. That's amazing. They, 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 they want to get the number one pick in the draft so they can draft the kid from USC. Uh, so they're the worst team. The Colts are right there. Uh, the Texans, uh, they're right there. And then I'll go uh, with the Panthers. They smell. And, uh, and I'll go with the Bucks. So my bottom five, counting from the bottom up, Arizona, Colts, Texans, Bucks, or uh, Panthers, Bucks. So the only team I'm differing you, I don't have the Panthers in my bottom five because I think Bryce Young, he might be able to surprise some people. I thought they had a decent offseason Carolina. The team that I put in there is the Rams. That team is a mess. They 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 have no – first of all, Cooper Cup's probably not, not going to start the year. He's got a hamstring injury. He's seen another guy, a second, a specialist. He's a, he's a mess right now. Stafford's on way on the downside of his career. They're over, but they're they're – they blew up the team because of the salary crap issues. They had no draft picks. I don't even think they had a, a, a draft pick the first two days this year. The Bucks, I mean, the Rams are going to be terrible. Cardinals are the worst team in football by far. I had the Colts just above them. I put the Rams there and then the Bucks. I put the Texans of the, you know, best of the powerless five, uh, as we're going to call them. But, uh, but I don't think the Texans will be there long. I think they had a really good offseason. I like the hiring of D'Amico Ryan as a head coach. Texans going to move up, get into the mid-range, I think, by uh, sometime during the year. Okay. Uh, that's fair. We'll see what happens. It's, uh, you know, this is all uh, speculation and conjecture until we actually see them play. Some teams could surprise us as being better than they are. Some people uh, worse than they are. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the, the, all we have to know are the Eagles are a good team. To me, they're the best in the NFC. To me, they should get the number one seed. Uh, and make a return visit to the Super Bowl. We uh, shall see if that will happen. What can go wrong for the Eagles? Let's just talk about that for a second. There's no, there's only, well, there's a couple things that could go wrong. Number one is the quarterback has to stay healthy. Um, if he gets hurt, obviously that changes the whole landscape, but that goes for any team starting quarterback. But he is so much of what they do that uh, that would be devastating for the Eagles. And I think that's the only thing that could knock them down a peg. Uh, other than that, if they get exposed in the middle of the field with their lack of linebacker and, and safety dominance. So uh, we'll see if that happens. I love their lines, and I think that wins in football. I think Howie Roseman is right when he focuses on that. So what can go wrong? Not much except injuries. Do you feel the same way? Completely. Uh, injuries is the only thing that will stop them from walking back into the Super Bowl, really. I mean, do we look at the landscape of the NFC, there's a couple teams that are decent. I actually think the Saints are going to be a sleeper team this year. Not not like really up echelon, but one of those teams you can look out for to win some some big games this season. But if I look at the entire conf uh, conference from 30,000 feet, it's the Eagles by a mile. Um they stay healthy. They walk back in. It's really you. You did make a point about the middle of the field. It's a special offensive coordinator that's going to really be able to to pick that out in such a quick. Because they're not going to have quarterbacks against the Eagles are not going to have more than three and a half seconds or so to get rid of the ball. So it's a, you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks trying to get rid of it quick. A lot of quick plays, and there just aren't that many smart offensive coordinators right now. I think that can take advantage of that. So I do think the Eagles walk back, barring injury. All right, so there you go with the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, we can't wait until 
uh, Sunday's game. Now, Thursday, we'll have a special football show. So we'll have a, a preview of the season. We'll have a scouting report on this game. And uh, it, it's it's looking good that Peter King, national football writer, analyst, will join us for Thursday's show. Is that correct? Is that what we're hearing? That's what we're hearing. We're trying to lock down the day and time uh, to get him, but hopefully it will be for our Thursday podcast this week. Peter King, by the way, has picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts to win MVP, and Jalen Carter to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's high on the Eagles. Uh, Also on Thursday, we will unveil our first weekly fantasy football report. Darren, tell the people a little bit about the uh, fantasy football. We're going to have Tony Cotillo join us. Tony's a local guy, does some stuff for Sirius XM Radio. Um, we spoke, I'm gonna give, we're going to give him a shot this year. He's going to be our fantasy expert. So we're going to break down some good matchups on who to look for, who to start, who to bench, all that good stuff for those that participate in fantasy football. I retired from it two years ago, Mike, after 30 something years, I haven't looked back. It's so oh, time really? consuming. It was so. Well, I was in a loop. Right, but we're really. Yeah, I, but I know so many people play, so we want to provide. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, the utmost information. It's, yeah, it's high top right now. But I'm happy to be the retired. Team. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, that is the current for today. Of course, what follows the current on the Mike Missinelli podcast. And if you uh, are listening for the first time, please tell your friends. You can subscribe for free. It'll come to your inbox every week. And the second segment we normally do is called Mike Unleashed, where I go all over the map with my opinions on various things in and out of sports. Let's start by going back to the FIBA World Cup. A casually in the FIBA World Cup, a Serbian player, they're a pretty good squad. The Serbian player's name is Barisa Simonic. He lost a kidney when he got elbowed during a game. I think his kidney out. Damn. Well, how many times have you heard people say, you know, I give my kidney to play for a U.S. national team? I don't mean to be <laughs> flip about it, but that's how about that, really man. <laughs> I mean, the guy the elbowed him should pay part afraid of that. Yeah, that's you know, like Tony Soprano showing up with a cash. You know, like, here, take care of you. Take care of your. That's thing. almost a freakish injury is breaking your orbital bone twice <laughs> in two years in a row. All right, let's uh, go back to college football now for part two of Mike Unleashed. Congratulations to Rutgers. I know there's a lot of Rutgers people out in the Delaware Valley for winning the Big Ten JV game. Uh, Northwestern versus Rutgers. That's the the JV section of uh, the Big Ten. Uh, And um, here's what I say, okay? Uh, Any any game that does not include Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe Wisconsin should be charging less for the product. Now – I know Rutgers thinks they're a big time school. Here's why I'm picking on Rutgers. For some reason, their head coach bugs me. I I don't know what it is about Greg Schiano. His face bugs me because he's got this bravado about himself. And I go, dude, you coach fucking Rutgers. All right. It's not like, like, hold it down a bit. You you might think you're you're like, uh, like the king of college football here. Walking around on earth, coaching Rutgers, where you have no chance to beat the big team. So, uh, there, in fact, let me go a step further. That I, uh, I'll get on the record that I hate three college football coaches uh, with a passion. Shiano being three, but I hate him less than I hate one and two. You know who number one is. Uh, I would have loved to cover Alabama to get into shouting matches with this guy every week. That's what I miss about being a reporter, covering a team and going back and forth with a, with a coach who's a pain in the ass. And Nick Saban is the biggest pain in the ass in the history 
of college football, the way he talks down to people, uh, those lackeys that covered the University of Alabama. And number two, and I am so glad he got an ass whooping by Florida State. Brian Kelly, you talk about a guy who walks around thinking he invented the game. He goes to LSU and he gets hammered. And I'm glad to see it. Your thoughts there? The best line I've ever heard heard of, to describe a coach was about Brian Kelly. I forget. I would love to give credit for this line. He said, Brian Kelly looks like the type of guy that would get pissed off and furious, red-faced at you for asking him to pass the salt. <laughs> he just, he's always <laughs> pissed. Everything. They're so annoying, these faces. He's the worst. I I know. He he is the worst. I know. All right, let's move on. Uh, This has nothing to do with sports, but I just just noticed that I didn't realize this. I'm reading a story about uh, Naomi Watts and how she's describing her sex life with none other than Billy Crudup. Uh, you know, Billy Crudup, been uh, almost famous. He was the star of the the morning show. I don't know if you've seen seen the the morning show. It's a good show. and he is with Naomi Watts now. He's one of my all-time faves. But I thought she was always with Liev Shriver, uh, Ray Donovan, who's the voice of uh, Hard Knocks. Were you aware that, that, that Naomi had moved on to Billy Crudup? Yeah, well, I didn't know she was with Billy Crudup. I knew that, I knew that she and Liev. But Liev's an old buddy of mine. I used to, you know, hang around with him. We used to do my uh, reads. We would go out and have a drink in New York. He's, he's, Hold on a second. Yeah. You used to hang around with Liev Shriver? Yeah, well, see, I used to produce Hard Knocks for HBO when it was, when it was on HBO. And when, uh, you know, we would write scripts, our, we would go up to New York and record with him. And, and when you're a producer, when you record voiceovers, you're basically in the booth with the person doing the voiceover. So the video is playing and you most of this is nine times out of ten. Not everybody does this with voiceovers, but you're in there with him and you basically give him a tap on the shoulder when you want him to start a line. And if you want you know, wind it back, I need to do it quicker, I need to do it slower, but you're there with him. So we would hang out with them and, you know, every once in a while, I'll grab a drink for dinner. I thought you knew uh, this. Hold on a second. You drink it with Liev Shriver? How come we don't have him on the podcast? Well, I, don't, I, I guess I can reach. I can well, oh, oh, have you embellished this friendship with Liev Shriver? No, you I mean, can't I reach out to like him on the podcast? Went out like hanging out best friends. But I, well, 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 you said oh, he's a good friend of mine, you I said. Say he was a fr- I said he's an old buddy of mine. We would kind of talk and work you together. You said he's an old buddy of yours. We would have drinks. Yeah. He's an old buddy of yours. I haven't talked years. I mean, he's a big shot now. You got to remember, he was a kid. Of course he's a big shot. But you can't say he's an old buddy of yours. When he first started. With doing the show with us, he would ride his bicycle to this recording studio, and then yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. All that. years, you take a limo. That's all well and good. I don't care about that big, part man. of it. I care big. about you saying you're an old buddy of his, and we got Ugats on the podcast <laughs> with him. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. All right. He all got right. big time, man. I, you know, he left a bunch right, of his behind. For the record, Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup has, has been a crud in past relationships. He was uh, with uh, Mary Louise Parker. At one point, and and uh, left her when she was seven months pregnant. Ouch! With Tom Brady, to, and he left her for Claire Danes. Yeah. And apparently, he left Claire for uh, Naomi. So there you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, fourth item on the uh, Mike Unleashed docket today. Uh, when I, uh, if I was ever offered a chance to come back as somebody, I want to come back as a world-ranked tennis player, because uh, in watching the U.S. Open. Uh, I have seen some of the most beautiful women with these tennis players. And I always wonder, like, what, what is it about tennis players and golfers that get the beautiful women? Can you, can you, do you have any opinion on this? Uh, 
tennis players I can see. They're swashbucklers. They're athletes. They sweat a lot. They put a lot of energy into it. They're athletic. Golfers, why? I don't know. A lot of the young golfers, man, they're all jacked. I mean, they're all... They're, they're not jacked. Some of them are, dude. <laughs> They're all good jacked. shape. They might be. They Come might on. be more physically fit than back in the day. I wouldn't call them jacked. A lot of them are bigger than tennis players. I mean, you're talking about yeah, tennis players like jacked. they're you know muscles are no good in golf. I, I look, golfers make a lot of money. Tennis players make a all lot right. of well, money. Anyway, I'm giving you a little tip off. There's an American left in the tournament. His name's Taylor Fritz. I know nothing was, about tennis. For you, go any further? Nothing. All right. Well, I'm telling. All right, you. Taylor Fritz is playing Djokovic. Okay. He's the highest ranked American left, right? right? Wait to see this uh, blondie that uh, sits in his seats. So if you, he's going to get blown out by Djokovic. So pay less attention to the tennis and more attention to the camera on his box. What's the guy's name? Taylor Why? Taylor Fritz. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll check him out. All right? Check that out. All right, that'll do it for Mike Unleashed for today. Let's move on to my thought <laughs> of the day. I had a thought today, as a matter of fact, as I was doing my laundry. Let me ask you this question. If your washing machine has a um, short wash, quick wash button, why would you go with the full wash? Do we? Here's the question. Do we really need a full wash when a quick wash still takes it over a half I hour? I think the quick wash is more like if you only have like a couple things you need done real fast. Why? What's the difference? Why would you need 55 minutes of wash when 31 minutes can do the job? Because 55 minutes of wash is for a full load. It takes longer to get all the clothes in there. It's the same thing. I put full loads in there for 31 minutes, too. Comes out the same. Well, then you you figured out the mystery of life. I think it's a a scam. And it's a scam that has convinced Americans that the longer you wash the clothes, some cycles are about an hour. Hey, all you're doing is running your water bill so up. So it's, it's a scam by big water? Is that what you're saying? It's a scam by big water. <laughs> they learned from big pharma. <laughs> big tobacco, big pharma, big oh, water. I'm going to ask people a question. <laughs> and you can email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. Quick wash. I go, oh, I got it. 30 minutes is fine. I get my clothes in and out in the dryer. But why do I need 55? You got big oil. You got big tobacco. <laughs> you got big pharma. You got big water. You got- you got big water. All right, that was my thought of the day. We'll close it out with a somber note because I just learned this. Yeah, this it's is terrible. Really tragic. I feel bad for him because he's a good guy. Uh, I know I've known you, Douglas, for a really long yeah. time, and condolences to you and his family for the loss of his son, uh, who was a really good student at Morehouse, uh, tragically killed in a car accident with another friend, student at, at Morehouse College in Atlanta, and that's got to be really gut-wrenching for a parent and so you douglas who's now a radio personality in philadelphia my condolences to you uh, and his family no hugh for a really long time i just want to say the same thing known hugh through film nfl films and wyp the nicest guy uh anybody everybody was a friend to him is a friend to him and uh he's i just i don't wish that upon anyone what he's going through in my heart yeah, is broken it's for. just just a horrible horrible thing uh, all right, so uh, that ends the Mike Misnelli podcast for today. We've got another one coming up later in the week uh, as we preview the Eagles game and the football season and hopefully talk to Peter King then. So join us then. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, a reminder that you can reach me, email Mike at MikeMiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter, uh, MikeMiss25 on Twitter. Uh, and uh, what about what else? What else do we have to I, you know, listen, I, I don't, I, I got, I got a kid's book out there. I'm going to be doing an event in Collingswood next month. 
the Collingswood Book Festival. It's called The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Uh, if you're in the mood for a nice children's book that for kids that just learn how to read or you want to read it to your uh, children who uh, who don't read yet, uh, give it a shot. Uh, I'm proud of it. Uh, I think you'll really like it. Also, Cameo, don't forget, uh, it can do a personal shout-out to you. I just one, did one this week, a roast of a guy. Guy asked me to do a roast about the guy's golf game, how he always says he's a better golfer than what he is. So I, I blasted him for about two and a half minutes. That's the kind of th- things I do. Go, go to cameo.com and, and stick my name in there. And I can give you a personalized shout out for any occasion, really. Congratulations or a roast or whatever you're thinking. Uh, and don't forget that uh, Natalie Winery in the fall, I will be out there soon as the harvest is coming in. So early October, the harvest will be out there snipping grapes and putting them in the bin for the wine production that'll happen in uh, October and November. It's going to be fun. That's my first time cutting down grapes. If you can drink wine during that, I will join you. <laughs> you don't have to pay me. Just pay this me in the... wine while I yeah. snip the grapes. Oh, well, I, I can pay you in wine. I'll, I'll bring you out there, but you got to focus. You, know, focus. you can't be cutting the vine. You got to just cut the stem. Okay. You got it. All right. All right. Make sure you cut the right part teach of the grape. Teach me the right way. You teach me. There you go. <laughs> All right. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. It's hot out there, so stay inside in the air conditioning and be good to you and your family. Uh, We'll have a great time on our next podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Mike Misnelli, and uh, utter the words of the great Steve Federicks. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Mike Misnelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.